Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Four Feathers podcast presented by ONTAP Sports Network. It's time to crack them and get caught up on your Blackhawks. Guys, Ron Luce, Patrick Comiskey, I'm your host Johnny Nani. Um, you guys hear anything different in that intro? Just, just the tad. Tap sports. That's right. Um, this has been a development that took place in between the last time we recorded and now. Four Feathers Podcast is now the official podcast and blog for the Blackhawks for ONTAP Sports Network. It's something that we have had in the works between all the guys on this call and Tony Marchese, who cannot make it on the call tonight. Um, but it's really exciting. We've got guys covering every Chicago sports team. You can go check it out at ontapsportsnet.com and on Twitter and Instagram at ontapsportsnet, all one word. It is really exciting, guys. I know we've had some blogs go up there. We've been promoting it from the Twitter account. Um, but h- how excited are you guys to be uh, involved with ONTAP Sports Network? I'll tell you what, this is Awesome, guys. I think, uh, you know, we've all talked about it. This is something we've been wanting to do for a long time now. Um, I know we all have passions for the Blackhawks, but uh, our passions obviously go beyond just the Blackhawks. Uh, Ron doing the awesome coverage over there with the Cubs. Johnny, you and myself doing coverage with the White Sox. I'm going to start rolling. I've been rolling out a little Bears coverage myself. Um, we're going to we're opening up all kinds of stuff. You know, we I think we dropped what three or four beer blogs today. So, yep. yeah, big things happening over here, and uh, I, for one, am super excited about it. I think this allows us to open up our horizons and get even more coverage out to you guys. Yeah, 100% echoing that, as well, you know, all the great guys that we've brought on, too. Um, you know, everybody from Juice to Buzz, um, you know, and all those guys in between, just pumping out coverage, pumping out all the good stuff. And to that, since I missed the uh, the intro crack, I'm, I'm going to crack them to all the gentlemen on OnTav Sports. Hey, yes, sir. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Um, yeah, guys, it's really exciting stuff. Uh, the site has been up for a little over a week now. When you go to the site on tapsportsnet.com, you can find all the different tabs for your different teams. So if you're just looking for your Blackhawks coverage, go to that Blackhawks tab. All of our podcast episodes, all of our blogs that are hockey Blackhawks related will all be in there. So you can find that. And then if you're also looking for uh, other teams, you can click around on the website and find whatever you are looking for. But this is Four Feathers. Let's get into some Hawks news. Just the other day, assistant coach Don Granado, it was announced that he will not be back behind the bench next year. Him and the Blackhawks mutually parted ways. Uh, initial thoughts on this one, boys. Um, I mean, I'm not terribly shocked. He, w- he wasn't a part of kind of Colleton's staff. Um, I'd argue he really wasn't even a part of Q's staff either. You know, he, they kind of just brought him in on a whim. Um, maybe a little bit of a tinfoil kind of take, tinfoil hat take. Um, I think they brought Don Granado in in hopes of luring his brother away from Wisconsin uh, when Q was ready to leave or be fired and hire him. Um, that being said, obviously that didn't happen. They promoted Colleton from within, and he's locked up for a while now. So, um, you know, not not entirely surprised that he's walking away. I'm sure he saw the writing on the wall. Um, and, you know, it's it's going to allow Colleton to kind of truly round out his staff to be guys that he wants there. Um, and anytime you know, coaching staff is gelling, look at, you know, all those Coach Q staffs that were there when he had Kitchen and, and those different guys. You know, they're gelling. Good things are happening. So, um I, I don't hate the move. I, I'm, I mean, I'm not upset. I don't think he was really here long enough to make much of an impact on the organization. Yeah, so I think I read today that uh, Granado, and I could be wrong, uh, was running the penalty kill unit. And if such was the case, oh, the penalty kill was rough this year. Um, he didn't exactly have the weapons to play with, per se. Um, but I think even... Yeah, these are all NHL players, and even with how bad the penalty kill was this year, it's it's almost inexcusable to be that bad. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I think it's more so if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna go all in with Colleton, you have to actually go all in with Colleton, and I think Stan should take the back seat to the hire on whoever is on Colleton's coaching staff. In my opinion, um, in sports. 
those coaching staff decisions should be solely made by the head coach, whether that be football, uh, baseball, hockey, anything. I think I think this should be Colleton's decision. And I think because when you've seen things go wrong for the Hawks in the past with Quenville and uh, Stan Bowman, it was when Bowman wanted to insert himself and start making decisions on the coaching staff. I think that's when things started going south. You have to have that trust between your general manager and your head coach. So I think it's important if, you know, Granado might have been a Q guy. If you want to let him go because he was a Q guy, that's fine. Maybe he'll go join them down there. Maybe he won't. I'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere. But I think it's important that you let Jeremy Colleton make the hires on his coaching staff. Yep. Good points, both of you. Um, I agree. I think it was more that he wasn't, you know, I don't think this hurts anyone really. He wasn't here that long enough to make an impact, like Ron had said. You know, and if he was in charge of that penalty kill, then, uh, you know, someone's going to fall on the sword. You can't fire the whole team. So coach is going to go. On to the next thing. Uh, Patrick Kane has been nominated for the Ted Lindsay Award. That is the most outstanding player in the regular season as judged by members of the NHL Players Association. The other finalists are Connor McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers and Nikita Kucherov from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who do you think is going to win, guys? You know what? I'm going to go McDavid. I'm going to go McDavid. I think you know Kucherov's going to win the Hart Trophy. So I think a lot of times you'll see the Lindsay and the Hart Trophy kind of differentiate just so one gets each the players are voting on it and i know it's a regular season award but the voting's coming after the playoffs and that sweep it's not supposed to be factored in but i think it's going to be factored in a little bit uh getting swept there by columbus in the first round that's not going to help kucherov's odds and McDavid's kind of, you can say Patrick Kane's by himself with the Hawks, which to a degree he is, but Connor McDavid is truly by himself in Edmonton and he just dominates year in, year out. So I, I, you know what? I think he's going to win it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing I love about the Ted Lindsay award is how much the guys truly value winning the Lindsay. I think we've seen in, in some years past, uh, you look at Kane's heart year. He also won the Lindsay that year. Um, a lot of the guys value the Lindsay more because it is voted by the players. It's by the players association. The heart is voted on by writers. So I agree. Kucherov is, I, I'd argue is a lock for the heart because, you know, the writers are going to see that point total. The writers are going to see, you know, the, the incredible season he truly did have. And it's going to be a no brainer. That being said, I think a lot of players are going to look at it in the way I think some fans do in the sense of, well, hell, look at all the talent he has down there in Tampa with him. No wonder he puts up 128 points. You know, he's playing with guys like Stamkos and Point and, you know, and some of these guys almost touched 100 points themselves. You know, now granted, I'm not, nothing taking away from Nikita Kucherov. Unbelievable player. Yeah, I think I think cases can be made for both both McDavid and for Kane. You know, I think you're going to see some people that'll say exactly what you said, Patrick. You know, uh, McDavid, you're in and you're out, carries that team more or less by himself. Um, and he just dominates as a player on and off, you know, on the ice in every situation. Uh, the thing that might ding him this year was the success of Leon Dreisaitl. Um, You know, Leon Dreisaitl had an unreal year, a 100 point score. The fact they had 200 point scores and didn't make the playoffs makes me laugh. That shows how terrible the rest of that roster is. You know, with Leon there, I would almost argue that that might hurt McDavid just because people are going to be like, well, yo, Leon just had 50 goals this season. Like, who are you trying to fool right now? You look at Kaner. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, Debrinkit had a 40 goal season. You know, um, Taves had a great bounce back year. A lot of guys were good offensively, but there were stretches throughout the season where Patrick Kane literally carried the Blackhawks. And I think he's I think he's going to finish second. I agree with you, Patrick. I think it's going to be McDavid. But I think he's going to finish a very close second to McDavid because there's going to be a lot of players out there that look at what the Hawks were this year and how close they were to the playoffs, unlike Edmonton, and say, shit, that's all number 88, man. That's that's 88 being 88. That's showtime, baby. I mean, that's that's what it is. So I think he's got a chance, but I I, I don't think he wins it in the end, which I would love to see him win it because um, stat I saw on NHL Network, he would be only the 10th player in NHL history to win the Ted Lindsay Award at age 30 or older, as well as 
I think he would be so he's the only Blackhawk to ever win the Ted Lindsay in franchise history. Um, and he would then have another one to add into his trophy case. So uh would be certainly a very cool story after a very strange up and down year for the franchise. So Yeah, that that would be awesome to see, Ron. I'm glad you made that case for Kane there because coming into this discussion, I was prepared to just have McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. And I'll be done with that real quick. So I, I like the points that both of you guys brought up there. Um, interesting take on the dry sidle thing with McDavid. But uh, now that you explain it like that, I, I definitely think that that could hurt him in that. It's not just McDavid there. But also, I'm going to go back to my reasoning for picking McDavid. This is voted on by the players. So when they play the Edmonton Oilers, who do they have to worry about? Of course, Connor McDavid and you know now Leon Dreisaitl. But when you're going talking about someone that is extremely tough to play against, how do you defend this guy? I mean, Connor McDavid is just so fast, so unbelievably fast. I think it's kind of consensus now, um, just because of his age and then his skill set. He is probably surpassed Crosby as the best quote unquote player in the league, whereas obviously Crosby was that for a while. But I, I think with the new game, speed game, I think that is what sets Connor McDavid apart. And he is just lightning fast. It's ridiculous. I, I agree with you guys that Kucherov probably gets the heart. So I, I would say McDavid for Ted Lindsay, but I do hope Patrick Kane finishes up there and it's closer than we think. So that's all I've got on that. Um, guys, there's been a lot of great first round playoff action. Um, the second round is just starting tonight as we are recording this. But the first round series were ridiculous, to say the least. All four wild card teams were victorious in their series. Wild card, bitches! Yeah! First time in NHL history. Um, we did a predictions blog before. Three out of four of our champions are already eliminated. Um, it's absolute bedlam, and I kind of love it. I love the unpredictability of the NHL playoffs. So just quick rundown. Dallas beat Nashville 4-2. St. Louis beat Winnipeg 4-2. Colorado beat Calgary 4-1. San Jose beat Vegas 4-3, to uh, Columbus swept Tampa, Boston beat Toronto 4-3, Carolina beat Washington 4-3, double overtime in that game seven, and then the Islanders beat Pittsburgh 4-0. What was your favorite series, or if you had a favorite game, a favorite moment from that first round? Wow, that's a good question. Ah, there were there were a couple. There were really, there were kind of just a few things that I, I enjoyed. Loved seeing Nashville lose naturally of of our Blackhawks bias hang was, the banner yeah you know hang your your we won two games in the first round banner um <laughs> I despise that team and that franchise it kills me I I think I enjoyed the amount of like truly I guess competitive series sure you had a couple of sweeps and uh, uh arguably the most unexpected sweep in NHL history or at least in recent memory um, with Columbus upsetting, you know, the the league wins tying record team in Tampa, um, you know, but I liked Carolina, Washington going seven. I liked Boston, Toronto going seven. Uh, I enjoyed San Jose, Vegas going seven. You know, there there were a couple seven game series, a lot of six game series. Um, you know, you bake in and sprinkle in a five and a couple fours. And, you know, it was a nice balance. And also, you know, really enjoy that it's kind of new blood in the playoffs. Now, a lot of these teams haven't sniffed this much success past the first round. You know, I can't tell you the last time Dallas went past the first round. Can't tell you the last time that, um, you know, Colorado went past the first round, you know, couldn't tell you Columbus has never gone past the first round. You know, really your only consistent teams right now that are still left from the last handful of years are St. Louis, San Jose and Boston. Everybody else is kind of, well, like I said, new blood in the playoffs. So I think that makes it more interesting now because it's not, okay, we're going to have the same Stanley Cup champion like we did. You know, look at back when from 2009 to 2015, you know, four teams won the Stanley Cup. And outside of 2011, three teams won the Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? Uh, or I'm sorry, it stretched all the way until 2017. You know, it, it was it was Pittsburgh, Chicago, L.A., and Boston. And that was it, you know, now, I mean, granted, we all loved it, but I digress, you know, but now you're going to see 
there's a very good chance we see a team that has never won a Stanley Cup before win a cup. Columbus looks like a team that could absolutely do it. St. Louis, I would argue, is probably the best team left in the West. And, you know, as much as I could be watching Patrick's reaction right now, as it pains him to hear that, but it's true. I mean, you know, that's a team that's never won a Stanley Cup. San Jose has never won a Stanley Cup. And maybe if, uh, you know, a miracle happens and they're not gassed from that crazy seven-game series, maybe they get there and make it happen. Or... Maybe a Cinderella comes out because I would like to note that of the three of four champions that are gone, there's one person who's still in it. So <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> take warning. Go Canes, you bunch of jerks. Hold on. My champion is the one that's alive. I had the Bruins winning it all. Oh, you're right. Ooh. I'm thinking of my other bracket. I apologize. Yeah. I have Carolina winning in another bracket and everybody. That was bold itself. So that, that, that does deserve that does deserve a little uh, uh, poise for yourself. Yeah, I went. I went more logical for hours, and I shouldn't have gone logical. I, it, I think logical lo- about this. Year. Lo- yeah, logic didn't play well this year. No, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It should have yeah. been. It should have been like March Madness, where you just pick your favorite mascot and team colors and just roll with it. Because right now, that's literally what's happening. Well, Pretty look much. what Tony's doing. He's just picking against me and Nani, and he's the one winning. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Patrick, I think he's going to get bit by that this round, though. And, and of course, you know, now that I, I say that on the I air, I sure as hell hope he does. So he might, I'll go ahead and dive him. into. I'll go ahead and dive yeah. into favorite uh, moments of the first round. Favorite moment was certainly, and I do think this flew under the radar a little bit because of how great these fucking uh, first round of the playoffs were. I'm going to go with Kale McCarr. First game in the National Hockey League, you step into a playoff game. And I think it's different if you're a forward and you play your first game in the National Hockey League because you can kind of hide out there. Mm. A defenseman cannot hide on the ice in the National Hockey League. And Kale McCarr just jumped. They threw him to the fire, and boy, did he succeed. You know, he scored a goal. uh, I think it was like in the second period of his first ever game. That was really cool. Uh, His parents were in attendance. They showed the reaction, and they just looked completely starstruck. I thought it was pretty awesome. He just—he's continued to play well throughout. It's you know that Avs team is so good, so young, and then they just get an extra defenseman. I thought that was a really cool moment. That series right there—it almost looked like the Avs were the favorite in that series. Like from almost the first puck drop of that series, they just. They were too fast. They were too fast for the Calgary Flames, and I think they're going to be a problem moving forward, not only in these playoffs, but for years to come. I wrote the blog on them. They are a really good team. That top line they have is spectacular. It's probably the best line in the league. But for the best series, I would definitely, definitely have to go with Boston and Toronto. That one always proves to be just a really good series for a number of reasons. A, those were... Those were arguably two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Like, you could argue that maybe the Eastern Conference final was played in the first round. That might be a bit of a stretch, but those were those are 100% two of the best teams in the East. And you have two really great fan bases. Like, Toronto has great fans. It's a shame that they just constantly let their fans down. Uh, Boston's fans are spoiled beyond hockey, everything. They get everything they want. But... That series was awesome, and even even when Toronto went up 3-2, it's like almost in the back of your mind, you're like, well, they're still not going to win. Like, Boston was my cup pick, and I wasn't even slightly worried that they were going to lose that series when they went down 3-2. That was one of those, like, I, I've seen Freddie Anderson go up 3-2 in a series before. Hmm, recent memory? It was in 2015 when the Hawks shoved the puck down his throat in game six and seven. So, you know, I've almost feel bad for Toronto fans because this type of thing happens to them every single year. But it's like, you know, they should probably know it's coming by now. And, you know, Boston gets whatever they want all the time, and Toronto ain't getting shit. So rinse, repeat. They'll be the 2-3 matchup next year, and it'll happen again. That that one was my favorite series heading into this. Uh, I still enjoyed watching that. It was kind of unfortunate. I wish that Game 7 was closer. You know, as much as it pains me, I like to throw shade at Boston fans and just their, you know, mannerisms and all that. You can go see our second round prediction blog for more of that. Boston. Uh, Boston. But, uh, you know, I think that 
you know, I was one in seven in the first round predictions. Not great, Bob. So they were my one team that won. Um, I had it in six, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't matter for our record. It just as long as you pick the winner of the series correctly, that's what mattered. So I think Boston's just tough as nails when it comes to the playoffs and they're, they're very opportunistic. So I agree with you, Patrick. I think that was my favorite series to watch um, held up from when we were previewing all of these on episode 26. But I do want to give a shout out to a big ONTAP Sportsnet fan, White Sox Sal. Uh, this also goes into my own personal Blackhawks, uh, you know, hate for the Predators. It was awesome seeing Dallas just rattle off three wins in a row to close out that Nashville series. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I liked that it didn't go seven because I think if it went seven, Nashville probably would have won with that momentum swinging back in their favor. But White Sox sell. Go Stars, baby. Uh, I'll be I'll be rooting for them now that my rooting interest, the Calgary Flames, are out. That was disappointing. But then also to your point, Patrick, very impressive by uh, Kale McCarr. That was uh, that was something to step in, score a goal. Not even just, you know, have a good game, have a good solid defensive game. No, he scored a goal in his first NHL game. Oh, and it just happened to be in the playoffs. Not a big deal. That was ridiculous. Um, just fun stuff all around. I think the it, it, another thing that may get overlooked and all that because it was a sweep, so you don't think it was that close. The Jackets were down three to nothing to the Bolts in the first game, and it looked like you're like, wow, the Bolts are just rolling. This is exactly what we expected. President's Trophy winners uh, firing on all cylinders, and they came back and won that game four to three, and they stormed back. It, it was very impressive to watch. And that's when I started to get scared for my picks, rightfully so, because they got swept. So, and Tampa was my eventual champion. So, at least we get a do-over fresh. I get to still be included on the blog and uh, predict them. So, if you want to check out our second-round predictions, those are up at ontapsportsnet.com under the Blackhawks section. You can find it there. Patrick, thank you again for drafting all that up in the formatting, and we gave our predictions and previews in there. Uh, in the second-round series, just real quick, these matchups, Dallas versus St. Louis is going on right now as we speak. Colorado versus San Jose is the other one out west. Columbus and Boston, they just finished game one tonight. Boston won in overtime 3-2. to two. And then Carolina versus the Islanders starts tomorrow. Guys, what series are you most looking forward to? Or is there a particular player matchup or anything like that that you are looking forward to in the second round? Yeah, so, I mean, I know we talked about Boston. I I talked about Boston a lot last round, and that was my favorite one. I think that's going to be my favorite one again. Uh, I think Boston and Columbus are they're probably going to light it up a little bit. Those are two really good teams. He's seen Columbus come storming back tonight. You always got to love watching Artemi Panarin. Uh, but beyond that, I you know I kind of I really just like the way Boston plays. I I love the way they play their team game. They're hard on the puck. They get pucks to the net. That top line with uh, Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron. I think they broke them up a little bit. But even so, when they're together, that line is when they're going is as good as it gets in the NHL. Um, and then bouncing back, obviously you're going to want to watch St. Louis for the hope that they lose. Um, I don't think they're going to. I, you know, you mentioned it earlier that they're probably the best team in the West. I wholeheartedly agree. Now that Vegas is out, I, I really don't see anyone in the West beating them. So it's going to be a miserable one. So you're going to want the best team possible to come out of the East and hopefully kick them into the ground if they do get to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I, you know, I'm obviously, I'm also interested in watching Colorado, see if they can keep it up when they go against San Jose. I do think they're going to win that series. I really do. Because I think they're going to be way, just just like they were for Calgary, even maybe a little bit more so, I think they're going to be way too fast for San Jose, especially coming off that second round, excuse me, that first round matchup where they won seven games and they played all those overtime periods in game six and game seven. I think San Jose is going to be in a lot of trouble. Uh, the only thing to worry about is if Colorado had too much time off and their legs aren't, you know, uh, ready to go. But Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, it's just, it's, it makes you, it, it reminds you of when the Hawks had Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane when they were in their early 20s. Like those, those guys are something special. 
And if you really, if you want, if you want to, if you're a hockey fan and you want to catch on to something early, I think you watch the Colorado Avalanche because I do truly believe something special is about to happen there. I think you could maybe look at this Avalanche team as like the 2009 Blackhawks. Like maybe they're going to go into that Western Conference final and play St. Louis and they're going to hit a wall. But I think next year might be the year of the Abs. So, I, th- you know, that's what I'm looking forward to in the second round. Mr. Comiskey also has a nice blog if you want to read more into that on the Colorado Avalanche on tapsportsnet.com. Ron. Yeah, um, to your uh, great points all around, Patrick. I do, I do see a lot of potential. And r- reminder that the Colorado Avalanche also have the fourth pick in this year's draft, right after our beloved Blackhawks, because Ottawa, you know, doing dumb shit. Anywho, that being said, um, whew, series that I'm most excited about. This one's gonna be tough. I, I'm, I'm gonna have to take a from two perspectives here. The one I'm going to look forward to watching the most, and I think the one that's going to be the most intriguing just in general. I think the one that's going to be most intriguing just in general is probably, I, I, I really have to say that that Columbus-Boston series is going to be intriguing because you know you have the team that went all out, guns a-blazing, mortgaged the future just to make the playoffs, create, you know, cap off one of the most historic sweeps in NHL history. And now they go and play the the city that knows nothing but winning, which disgusts me. But that all being said, um, yeah, I mean, the Boston's a good team. Clearly Columbus is a good team. They're starting to gel, I think, at the right time now. You're starting to see those trade deadline acquisitions kind of mesh with the rest of the team. And that's, I think, why they were so good. Um, so I think from that perspective, they're going to be the most intriguing to watch. Uh, obviously, Boston capping it off tonight in overtime uh, over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, so that already puts the 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 sweetheart story of Columbus kind of in the hole. But all of that being said, the one I'm going to have the most fun watching is going to be naturally the Carolina New York series. You know, in our opening blog, we we did our kind of team that we think is going to win, but team that we're kind of rooting for. And it's kind of hard to not say the Hurricanes just because, you know, this is a team that you get a new coach. They make a trade in the offseason that everybody goes, what are you doing? Why do you trade Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin? And then they go off and have the season they did in Calgary. And everybody's like, oh, you're a bunch of idiots, blah, 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 blah. But then it's Carolina and Dougie Hamilton that's still playing in the playoffs and not the other guys. So, you know, they're they're just they're putting it all together. They have a, an incredible blue line. I think that's the most underrated blue line in the entire NHL. And it's because they play in a small market and nobody knows about them. Brett Pesce, unbelievable. Jacob Slavin, unbelievable. Um, Justin Falk is still a very good defenseman. Uh, Dougie Hamilton is a very good defenseman. TVR obviously playing on that third pairing over there, former Blackhawk. <laughs> He's our, our beloved, you know, and, but they have the, the incredible young forwards, Tara Vinen, Aho, um, you know, they're getting contributions from all their teams. If they get to a game seven, they have Justin Williams. So they're fine there. You know, it's just, they have they have the workings, especially if Peter Mrazek continues to play the way he's been playing. They have the the makings of a complete team that can win the cup. I think especially now with Tampa being gone, Pittsburgh being gone, Washington being gone, I think Carolina has a legitimate shot. I really do. I think they could keep up with the Boston Bruins. Do they beat them? Maybe not. But they hell, if this team goes to an Eastern Conference final a year after being arguably one of the joke teams in the NHL. That's a hell of a one season turnaround. So I think from that standpoint and, and the intrigue of the bunch of jerks and we're doing it differently and they're doing it their own way. And Rod Brindamore, who I think is an outstanding coach. I think a lot of people forget how great of a player he was as well. And captain, you know, they're just, they're a fun team to watch. They're just exciting. And I, I think there's a little bias there too, because you watch Terravine and run around and you watch TVR and you know, the guys that were former Hawks that are there. Um, I think it'd be cool to see them. You know, they're the they're the experienced vets on that team now, and that's kind of cool to think. It's about, crazy you know? to think about. It crazy. is. I mean, you know, Tara Vinen. Thanks, Stanbo. You know, Tara Vinen's won a cup. TVR's won a cup, and then they have other experienced guys. You know, Stahl won a cup with Pittsburgh back in the day. Obviously, Williams has won a couple of cups in his career, um, or at least one cup. I think he maybe actually only has one cup, but you know, he has a cup and. 
you know, they, they have guys that are kind of experienced in the playoffs, but they have enough youth of guys that I, I like to consider them just being stupid and not knowing better and just playing. You know what I mean? They, they kind of are almost ignorant to the fact that it's the playoffs because they're just so young and inexperienced. And it's like a perfect storm, no pun intended at all, <laughs> of of talent. And I think they're going to be fun to watch. And I, I do have – there is a there is a very small part of me that is rooting for them and, and really hoping they kind of go on a bit of a Cinderella run because I think it's a cool story for hockey and we can tell Don Cherry to go shove it up his ass. I love that run. And, you know, good for you. I'm glad your rooting interest is still in – so that, that makes it more intriguing. Um, we'll give you some grief or we'll give you some props on the Four Feathers, both Twitter and Instagram, um, if they do well or if they do bad. So we'll see how that plays out. For me, um, I'm not going to go into depth. You guys pretty much touch on almost every series there. Uh, Columbus-Boston will be a fun one to watch. That was a fun one to watch in their first game tonight. Obviously, uh, you got firepower on both sides. But I am going to have my eye on Colorado-San Jose. You know, San Jose probably got pretty lucky on that call where Cody Eakin was ejected and they had a five minute, you know, power play where they scored 100 comeback goals. I mean, obviously that that was used. Yeah. So then again, they also they couldn't nut up for and only let up two goals on that. I mean, sure, they got hosed. It's a bad call. But are you going to sit around and mope or are you going to man up? and you know defend it after so but that's interesting because you know the sharks barely slipped in so maybe there's a little bit of a um second win there but then again they have some uh more veteran guys so the legs may be taxed already there's guys probably dealing with injuries i don't think eric carlson's been 100 percent all season and then colorado's just got they're young they got speed and then just one thing i want to touch on patrick you said have the you know teams like columbus or Colorado been off too long. I would argue that it's easier to shake off the rust than to be taxed in those later games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's easier to, you know, take a couple periods in those first game or two to shake off the rust rather than, you know, come to game five and hit a brick wall, which I think the San Jose Sharks will do. So that, that's what I'm keeping my eye on out West. But I think it'll be interesting, though, because then again, San Jose also has the ability to, you know, they have guys that will go to the front of the net. Um, we know that. And then they also have guys that can fire it from the point in Eric Carlson and Brent Burns. So you never know when you can just generate offense like that. And we've seen momentum just be huge in these playoffs. Once you get a goal, you get rolling. Uh, We saw it with Columbus in that first game against Tampa in that first round. You saw it. um, Granted, it was a power play, but still, San Jose is kind of dead in the water there. Three down 3-0 in that third period. They get that one goal and then they just get rolling. So momentum's huge. If they can manufacture that, I predicted it to go to seven games in our blog that we uh, put out today. But I do think Colorado comes out on top. That's the one I'm most looking forward to. And then I guess I'm rooting for Dallas now. So a quick, just, I, I, I can't be letting uh, St. Louis win. <laughs> a quick ha at you saying that the Sharks are dead in the water. <laughs> I have one I want to throw in. Ron, you talked about earlier with Justin Williams, how many cups has he won? My interest was peaked and I looked it up. Did you know that Justin Williams has already won a Stanley Cup with the Carolina Hurricanes? He was on that 2016. Mm, I didn't know that. Right. I knew. So I knew he had only I while mid sentence remembered he had only won one cup. Could not remember what team it was with, though. Oh, he's, he's won a, three cups. Okay, he won two time, with the Kings. He was right? on both of the L.A. teams. That's what I thought. OK, so, yeah, two with the Kings. And then, yeah, he was on that O.G. Uh, OG Hurricanes team yeah, with I had no Eric Stahl and Brindamore cool. and all those guys. So. The more you know. The more you know. Thank you, Stat Check Patrick, over there. We appreciate it. If you want to check out our second-round predictions, you can go find them at ontapsportsnet.com. Once again, Mr. Comiskey was kind enough to put that blog together, so you can go and banter with us about those. Time for an ad break, though. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about prospects in their respective playoff series, a little bit about the draft, and then we will wrap this thing up. We are back. It's episode 27 of Four Feathers. It's me, it's Patrick Comiskey, it's Ron Luce. We talked about NHL playoffs in the first half of the show. Now it's time to get to a little bit of prospects before we touch on the draft. 
Some of our prospects are in the playoffs right now in their respective leagues. Mackenzie Entwistle has five goals, nine assists, 14 points through 15 games for Goluff of the OHL. He eliminated Adam Boquist's London Knights last round. Now his golf team is facing elimination tomorrow night. They're down 3-1 in their series to Saginaw. I did see that Entwistle took a shot up high, and that kind of rattled him a little bit. But he is back. He is playing. So that is one that is still alive. Uh, Boquist ended up finishing the playoffs with 10 goals, 3 assists, 13 points, and 11 games for the London Knights. Had a nice little run there, was leading the OHL playoffs in goals. So uh, that was good to see in clutch time from top pick last year in Adam Boquist. Nicholas Bodine, another defensive prospect. He's got two goals, five assists in 14 games in the QMJHL playoffs for Drummondville. Uh, defenseman Jake Rycheck has no goals, but 10 assists in 15 games for uh, Halifax in those QMJHL playoffs. And then Alexis Gravel, a goaltending prospect. He does have a 2 point. Four six goals against average and a nine twenty two save percentage in fifteen games, uh, also for Halifax in the QMJHL playoffs. So those are guys that are still going. We'll keep an eye on them, uh, see how long they run. Uh, unfortunate to see Boquist uh, bow out a little bit early, but I do think uh, that playoff performance is something that we can be excited about going forward. Definitely a good building block. It's time to talk a little bit about the draft. We went in-depth last episode, went into all of these guys. There will be much more in-depth stuff to come as it gets closer to the day. But for right now, there was a blog by friend of the show, uh, episode two guest, Barstool Chief, and he has flipped his tone. He likes Bowen Byram, the defenseman, the only defenseman that we talked about last episode. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I, I am still under the impression that we should go forward here. But when when I read Chief's blog, he said that he likes that he's the only one that could possibly become a you know Norris Trophy type with that potential. Granted, he's only 17 years old right now, still a lot to see. But do you guys have any thoughts on taking that only defenseman that's being talked about in those top group of prospects. Yeah. You know, I read that blog and going into it when I read chief's headline, I was like, Oh God, no, I don't want another defenseman. Uh, what he wrote made me come around a little bit more to it because honestly, when you do look at the, all those defensive prospects, the Hawks have, none of those are going to be shut down defensemen, not a single one of them. They're going to be really good offensive defensemen. And that is kind of the way the NHL is steering. But you do still have to have your lockdown guys. Ron, you touched on it earlier. That's kind of what Carolina has, and it's working well for them. They uh, they take Carolina takes away the middle of the ice maybe better than anyone. So the Hawks could use some guys like that. But I really still think this Hawks team desperately needs forward health. I, I think like everyone talks about how the Hawks need defense. The Hawks need defense. Hell yeah, the Hawks need defense. But to say that they should just take defense in the draft and that they don't need forwards, I think is a bit of a lazy take because everyone's seen the Hawks light up the, uh, they've seen them light up the score sheet this year. They did score enough goals, but I'll tell you what, if this Hawks team would have got into the playoffs, they would not have lit up the back of the net. They wouldn't have. It would have been like that year that they played Nashville in the first round and they couldn't find room on the ice and they couldn't find the back of the net for shit. This Hawks team is not deep enough at forward. If you're going to be a good team in the NHL, you have, have to roll through at least three lines. I don't think you can argue that the Hawks have two lines that are good enough consistently. The Hawks need forward help. They don't have anything in the pipeline forward-wise and your core of forwards is starting to age. It's really starting to age. You got Kane and Taze at 30. Um, I know you have Brandon Sod at a pretty good age. Alex Dabrinkit's 21 years old. So that's promising. Dylan Strom's young. Brandon Perlini's young. But I don't, I don't think that you can bank on Dylan Strom and Brandon Perlini being your potent offensive weapons. I think they're going to be nice pieces. I think they're going to be your good depth pieces. I think those are the guys that you're going to want to round out your third line. Like we say, you need three lines to roll. You have that third line ready to go with Dylan Strom anchoring it and maybe Perlini on his wing. You need, they desperately need a top six winger 
and you are slotted in the perfect position to go grab it. Um, if you have Bowen Byram as your consensus number three pick and you think he's far and away the best player at that spot, that's fine. Take him. But I think if you say that the forwards are on that same level, I'd rather have a forward. Um, and then I'm going to kick it over to Ron because I know Ron knows considerably more about these uh, draft pop prospects that I do. I'm just taking the position of looking at the positions. I think you nailed it, man. You took the words actually right out of my mouth. And what I was going to say was, you know, and it's something I've consensusly seen between other, you know, group chats that I'm a part of, you know, with, with others and kind of in the Twitter sphere is that to your point, if, if, if our guy double B the defenseman is the best player available at the position and you like, or at that spot forward or D and you like him enough, take him. That's fine. Because as long as you're investing in the player. If they get there and he's not your top pick, and you're like, well, we could use D because, you know, we need defense, I, I, I'm i not sold then on them taking him there. You know, there's, there's a considerable amount of forward talent at the top of this draft. Obviously, Hughes and, you know, and and Capo Caco are your top two. And then there's a lot of guys that are kind of in that three, four, five, six, seven, eight range who could probably all kind of go interchangeably, if we're being entirely honest right now. You know, you have, you know, Russian uh the Russian winger pulled gold I need a I need to crack a bottle of vodka open when I say his <laughs> name. Um you know and, and you've got uh Dylan Cozens, you've got you know, some people think Turcotte could sneak up there. You got Doc, you got Zegris, a guy that we're, I know, maybe going to touch just a wee little bit about here in a little bit, and that's Mr. Cole Caulfield. You know, there's a lot of forwards at the top of this draft. And I think, you know, I think if, if you're Stan Bowman and the player that you love, 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 let's hypothetically say it's, it is Caulfield, maybe, let's say. You could get him later. And I'm not saying like later, later, like 20. I'm saying like 10, 11, maybe 12. Maybe that is the time then if you're not sold on any of these other guys at the top of the draft, that's the time to fleece somebody that is sold on one of these guys. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that the Hawks are going to pick three. I would actually be shocked if they trade the pick. I just don't think there's a a number three player right now who is that consensus three. There's a lot of guys that are being labeled the consensus three, quote, unquote, quote, unquote. But there really is nobody who is standing out as the true number three guy. You know, Hughes is your one. Kako's your two. Joe Schmo is your three at this point because there is nobody that's the clear cut number three. So. It's it's really going to come down to who do the Blackhawks fall in love with, who do they just goo goo gaga googly eye over when they think about him and look at his draft report, and is he worth the number three pick? Because like I said, maybe just maybe I'm not I'm not coming out and saying they they're going to trade the pick and they should because then I know people are going to be like, well, what the hell do you mean? Blah 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 blah. All I'm saying is is it, it, teams will fall in love with guys who are not necessarily at that spot that they're picking. And if that's the opportunity that you see to go out and address another need, like I said, let's say it is Caulfield. All of a sudden, you can move back and a team with depth calls you in that 8 to 12 range and says, hey, we really like Joe Schmo at number three. We'll give you our number three defenseman and we'll swap firsts with you. And, and, you know, maybe the Hawks have to throw in like a third round pick with that or something. I would say that's worth it because then you address two needs. You get the forward you want in the top of the draft who could potentially come up and play for you right away. And even if he doesn't, that's okay. Then you have talent in the pipeline and you would immediately address a need on the team right now. So there's options, and uh, you know, I know we're going to analyze this further, you know, as we as we get closer to the draft at the end of June. So I'm not going to dive too deep into it right now, but there are a lot of options. This is like 
this is like when you when you go to you know your favorite grocery store and you're in the beer section and there are just all these beautiful beers which you can also read up on on ontapsportsnet.com and you're just like damn what do i want and you're looking and you're looking at you that's kind of where the hawks are sitting right now because there's so many guys who can be picked number three and i'm sure they're like uh, we don't know what the hell to do Great analogy there, and nice slip-in with the ONTAP Sportsnet beer reviews. We also do that on tapsportsnet.com. Go check it out. We had to do an honorable mention here. Cole Caulfield, uh, Ron had brought him up. He was one of these guys that we talked about in our last episode. There are a number of them. We don't have time to get to all of them today, so if you want, you can go back, listen to episode 26, and get our initial takes on them. Those are subject to change. The draft is still mid-June, so we are going to evolve our takes on these guys as more information becomes available, as we watch more film, as different developments come out about each of these guys. But Cole Caulfield was interesting just because there was a Twitter report of him possibly being, you know, a Blackhawks best target. And I'm not saying this is, you know, set in stone, just speculation, but he is a Debrinket type, 5'7", 155 pounds, he's 18 years old right now. He is the best pure sniper in the draft, according to Sportsnet. I mean, I, I think Ron had laid it out perfectly. I was going to say we should, you know, talk about this around table. But, Ron, I think you summed it up when you say if that's really your guy, that's the one you're really attached to, you can make that deal on draft day or, you know, leading up to it. So I think that's where it stands if the Blackhawks were to court Cole Caulfield. We're just going to leave it at that. One guy that I'm interested in, I don't know why. I, I Maybe it's just seeing Nikita Kucherov go off. Maybe it's because I love Alex Ovechkin. I'm a big fan of the Russian players that are just have tremendous skill sets. And Vasily Podkolzin, he, he looks like it to me. He's the consensus number three. I know Ron had mentioned there's no consensus. But if you're going to go there, uh, he's one of those that is up there at the top. Um, I think the biggest concern with him is his willingness and his actual follow through on that action of coming over and playing as soon as he is available from Russia. So that's all stuff to keep an eye on for the draft. As more comes out, we will post it on the four feathers, Twitter uh, on tapsportsnet.com. We will have blogs about it. And then obviously we will reconvene here on four feathers to discuss it further. So that, uh, that does it for all we've got for the draft talk today. Closing thoughts. Anything playoff related, anything Blackhawks related that you guys got on tap sports net related? Uh, yeah, a couple things. Um, I just, I want to talk about, I think this Bruins team, I think they have it in them. I really do. Um, I think the, I think Columbus might be their toughest challenge, honestly. And then if we go back to the Western conference, I think St. Louis is really that best team, but God almighty, please let someone beat the St. Louis Blues, if there's, you know, we had a rough enough year with the Hawks anyways, and we've had a rough enough last couple years. I know poor us will cry over our six championship banners, but still, please, sports gods, don't let the St. Louis Blues win the Stanley Cup. That's all we ask. We'll take anyone else at this point. Um, Yeah, and we are really excited about ONTAP Sportsnet. Read up about it. We have a lot of good stuff on there. If you want to talk, if you want to read about the Hawks, you keep reading about the Hawks. If you like football, we got Bears stuff. If you like baseball, we got the hot socks and the Cubs covered. We got everything you want. If you're a beer drinker, we got it going. I wrote a PBR blog today. If you're a fan of the Blue Ribbon, give that a read. Uh, Ron, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, uh, echoing uh, your excitement for On Tap. Uh, obviously, we got a lot of good things coming up. Um, I need to get on my odes to some of my favorite beers, so hopefully those will be coming out over the next few weeks. Going to be working on a piece that I think is going to stir up a little controversy over on the Blackhawks page, so be excited for that. It may or may not involve a head coach. And my 5,000-word rebuttal to a certain set of tweets from some of our fellow on tap members. So that'll be good. That'll be a fun read. But yeah, uh, to, to Patrick's point, we we satisfy all tastes right now. The college page is going to be up and running here soon uh, as we pump out materials from that. But obviously, it's the NFL draft weekend. Uh, the Bears don't pick until tomorrow, but or well, it'll be today when you're probably listening to this. But nonetheless, read up, hear what the rest of the NFC North is doing. 
come visit us over on the north side uh, with some of the, the the Cubbies, North Side Nine, and all those guys that right over there. Go visit our friends on the south side, Shy Sox Weekly, uh, Socks on Tap, all of those guys down there. You two fine gentlemen, as well as Tony, uh, contributing over there. Bulls, we've we I mean we got it all, man. You're a Chicago sports fan. Uh, there's only one place to go for your sports, um, you know, journalism and, and entertainment, and that is with us at ONTAP Sports Network. So that is that is my closing thoughts for the night, gentlemen. I, I need to close this up by giving a shout out to everybody. First of all, that you know has made ONTAP happen, but specifically the guys that are on this podcast, and then one that is not with us, Tony Marchese. Uh, Ron is manning up the. Northside Nine podcast. So if you're a Cubs fan, absolutely go check that out. Um, Patrick Comiskey is taking the lead on the Bears. So a podcast name is swirling around. We will be getting that in the works, obviously, in the offseason. Uh, we've got draft there, but he is setting up all that, putting out great blogs already over there. And then Tony, the man, he got all of this organized. He, he kind of really put all of these people together and everybody has their talents that they contribute to this group, uh, to this website, to the blog, to their podcasts. But Tony was the one that, you know, united a bunch of this together. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to everybody that's on this call. And then Tony, you know, the four feather guys, we work hard. We're here pumping out a Blackhawks talk when we're watching the St. Louis Blues and Dale Stars play a playoff game. So, um, you know, we're, we're working hard to bring you content. So go check out ontapsportsnet.com at ontapsportsnet on Instagram and Twitter. That is the new home. Four feathers is the official Blackhawks coverage podcast and blog for on tap sports network. My closing thoughts, hockey wise, um, the stars just tied it up. So let's go stars beat the blues. I'll turn um, to that. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, we're going to close it out as always. Let's go Hawks. Let's, let's go, go Hawks, Hawks baby. Hawks.